Oh, hey. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Don't Start a Band podcast. Uh, again, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone checking out the podcast. I have been looking at the analytics and everything, and it is fucking nuts to see that people in Italy and Switzerland and even Chicago are listening to this podcast. It is insane, and I never thought that um, people would fuck with it so hard. So thank you so much. Uh, Don't forget, though, to subscribe, like, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and YouTube. Um, YouTube is Jake Backseaters. All of the interviews that we do and podcasts that we do are on YouTube. We record them live, and if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, Jake Backseaters, you will be notified when we go live on YouTube, so you will get to see the podcast firsthand. Today on the podcast, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Tim Graham, and he's in a band called Rozu. They're a post-hardcore band, and I've known Tim for about five years. He's super savvy when it comes to uh, music business and marketing, and we get into all of that on top of what Rozu means. You will find out early in the podcast. So everybody, please welcome Tim Graham of Rozu. Cue music. It's just like it's on a roller coaster and it just wants to build up and then it's like no. That was the whole down. point. Total buzzkill. I love that. Mr. Tim. What's up, buddy? Of Rozu? Is that Rozu? Rozu. What uh where does that come from? Uh it's Japanese for rose. For uh, rose? For the rose. And um Yeah. DJ actually came up with that. My guitarist he was that's just, beautiful. He's super into anime. And we're just like looking for something that's a little different, but very easy to remember. Yeah. And he was like, Rosu. I was like, tight. It'll definitely be a lot easier to find on like YouTube or something. Oh, dude, very. It's crazy. We're like, yeah. wait, nobody has this name? <gasps> Great. Because that's, that's hard. such a good feeling. I totally thought there was going to be a podcast called Don't Start a Band already. Really? Thankfully. I got in on it. Killed it. Because it sounds so negative, but I try and it's it's more positive. Yeah, it's a negative. I, I love the irony behind it because it's, it's supposed to be like, don't start a band dot 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 until you hear these people talk yeah. about what it's like to start a band. Well, it's like from what I got from it, it's just like it's such an ironic thing because people are like, oh, you're in a band. You go on tour. It's fucking glitz and glamour you're making so much money you're traveling the world dude touring sucks it does <laughs> like it's really fun for like 30 minutes every night that you get to play on stage but like yeah. 
Oh, let's drive in a van for eight hours. Oh, or more. Broke, oh, this broke down. Yeah. Uh, we have to pay for that. Hey, we made no money tonight. Hey, we're sleeping in the van next to somebody that snores really fucking loud. You know, it's just like. But what's funny about that? Showering in a Walmart snoring. sink. Exactly. The snoring, though, do you find when you get home from tour and you're sleeping in your bed and oh, I miss it's quiet, it. you're like... I miss it. It's kind of like that ASMR thing or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, it's Fucking weird. Uh, when I was touring Victory Heights, like Sam always... Uh, how our bunks were, he was yeah. right below me. Dude, you had bunks? Yeah. Well, like... You we, built them, we, right? We had a bunk. Yeah. Like, so we... It was like in the back of the van, we took the back two seats out, threw a mattress down, and then we built two bunks. That was very close. Like, I had this much room from the top of my head to the ceiling. And then I was like cuddled up against the window. Yeah. But Sam always snored, and I hated it. I never slept. But then when I got home, I couldn't sleep because I couldn't hear his snoring. Like, I had to, like, he came and slept at my house for like a week and a half after we got back from one tour. Damn. (laughs) I was like, I need you. Go sleep in the corner. <laughs> well, yeah, and I got so used to sleeping on a bench seat that, mm-hmm. like, sleeping in a real bed was slightly difficult. Do you go second bench or first bench? Um, I prefer the second bench, like, furthest away from everything. That's why. <laughs> exactly. I just, I would feel too obligated to be sitting up between the driver and the passenger the whole time. But that's why the second bench is so prime yeah because it's far enough away where you don't really hear everything but, but if people are talking alert. shit you can sit you're up. still alert where you're like <laughs> what the fuck did you say <laughs> oh yeah well when i went with if i fail we didn't have a trailer either and it was four of us so it was like two people had to sleep in the driver's seat and passenger seat mm-hmm. every night and then two people got the bench seats mm-hmm. so it was but we had a friend um he was actually the first guitarist and if I fail, he was working for um, Hilton Hampton Hotels. Okay. And so he got us like a mad like employee status discount on hotels. So we got to sleep in more hotels than we probably should have. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, that's clutch when you have like it that kind of connection. Nice. Yeah. Connections Cause... are tight. That's what the music is all about. Business is about. It's about who you know and who can get you in a hotel bed for the night. This is true because otherwise you're sleeping on a bench, on the floor, in a chair, and in then you're showering in a living Walmart room. fucking yeah. sink. I brought wet wipes. I, I mean, wet I wipes are good, wipes. but like, I always like to go into the Walmart, brush my teeth, get a yeah. little upper body. I mean, with I had to soap, brush my teeth as well. Like upper body soap wash my hair and then wet wipes the balls and gooch all that fun stuff <laughs> feet you have to if you, you don't wet wipe your gooch you are gonna have the worst case of crotch uh, right in the world dude, and just, playing like especially if you had a lot have a lot of energy on stage like crotch oh, rot and I always performing have, i always have like sweat stains right in the crotch of my pants and i only bring like three pairs of pants on tour for like stage pants and then like two yeah. for outside and man if you don't have wet wipes jock itch is real it's not fun it's not a good time no not at all and laundry days are key yes. you don't have a laundry day <clears throat> once a week god damn you <laughs> 
laundromats, though, they suck. They do suck. They're not fun, and it seems like... We'll just leave it at laundromats are not fun. They're not. They're boring. So, Mr. Tim, tell me a little bit about yourself. Let's start from the beginning and then lead that, because I'm sure along the way you'll say how you got into music. So Yeah. I mean, or you can start at that. It's up to you. Well, I mean, I was born here in Littleton, Colorado. Um, grew up here. Um, went to Sheffield. And Some people say school. Colorado. Colorado? Yeah. Rod. What did I say? Colorado? Yeah, that's it's what Colorado. I like, that's I always, how it's pronounced. Colorado. It's Colorado. <laughs> uh, but no, dude, I grew up here. Um, and then a lot of time I was in L.A. with my dad. Um, he lived out there for many a moon. And nice. yeah, I just had a pretty normal childhood. Nothing crazy. Everything was cool. Um, and then... Enough about the boring shit. Uh, this is how I got into music. <laughs> See, what's funny about that, happens. though, is like vloggers and stuff. Like, I love the No Jumper podcast, mm-hmm. even though I'm not like huge into hip hop. And I just find I will watch their normal bun, mundane, mundane lives on their vlog and yeah. I will just consume it. And there's no reason that I should be. Shout out to No Jumper and Adam22, though, if you hear this. But still, like, the boring shit. And, like, I love seeing that in band documentaries. And, like, because people like to know that people in bands are human, too. Yeah, we all are, man. Uh, like I was saying earlier, we're just glorified storytellers, you know? And, That's uh, beautiful. Do you, do you listen to the lead singer, Syndrome? Is the, that a podcast? Yeah, the Shane Told podcast no. from Silverstein. What? Listen to that one. It's a good one. He lead just, singer syndrome. Yeah, he just talks with a bunch of lead singers and bands. And he hasn't hit me up yet. I know, right? Has me he hit too. you up? No. I emailed him. He didn't get back to me. Lead singer syndrome. What What's up, Shane? Fuck. Come on. It's messed up. All right, so you got into music. But yeah, um, it's funny because like, not even my band knows this. And I sang in the choir from elementary school. Um, so kindergarten, essentially until sixth grade, I sang in the choir. Okay. And around seventh grade, um, I just really, I always played sports. I was very big into soccer, like all year round. I was just like the typical ADHD kid that like parents were like, Hey, you need to play sports year round because you have way too much energy and you're fucking terrorist. I went to drums. Yeah. So (laughs) I, uh, you know, I sang in the choir and then just up and stopped. I uh, yeah. started playing football, started playing soccer, just big sports guy all throughout high school. And like my senior year, um, I was good friends with um, a buddy of mine called Kyle Even from Breathe Carolina. And like when his band, uh, Rivendale, that was their high school band. Really? Dope. I'll show you some of that stuff. It's so huh. good. Um but I hung around with all these guys that, you know, played music. And Kyle, one day in my sophomore year, we were driving up to the mountains and he was teaching me how to scream to Under Oath. Really? So, yeah. So, um, to which, which album though? Cause there's a big, they're difference only chasing between... safety. Okay. So it was right when their only chasing safety came out. It does explain like, I'm a lot older than you are. Style. So, <laughs> See, yeah, you don't, I was older. wondering that before you got here. I was like, how old is Tim? But then I was like, 
How old do you think I am? Uh, I mean, after telling me that, mm-hmm. math-wise, you might be 30. Ding, ding, ding. We have a You're winner. You're 30? Yeah, just, uh, I turned See, 30 I, in June. You look like, you definitely don't look 21. No offense. No. But None like, taken. you look maybe like 26, but like you've looked... 25, 26 since we started talking at Zoomies. Yeah. Five years ago, four years ago. Yeah, somewhere around. I think about, five years about ago. About five years ago, yeah. yeah. That was right before I started touring a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. And, Damn. yeah, yeah, dude. So, I'm I'm old and, thankfully, I have good genes in the facial area and it makes me look younger. There's some artist who... Um, I don't think it's Blake Shelton. It's somebody that Joe Rogan had on his podcast... But he didn't get a record deal or like really anything until he was like thirty nine. Oh, dude, and he's a country artist. Yeah, and yeah. nowadays that doesn't matter. Yeah, five no. years ago, they were like, if they looked at me and I was twenty five five years ago, yeah. they're like, no, nah, we don't want you. We You're want still good looking. Let's be honest. Don't start a band podcast. Everybody listening, it's all about the aesthetic. And you Truth. know what? You're a handsome motherfucker. Thanks, bud. So are you. You just got that like. That jawline, the it's nose ring. I've always wanted to have that tight nose ring, but I, just, I guess my nose is just stupidly shaped. You have a pretty nose, man. I, I have the Take studs. Take those studs out. Put a ring in it. Ring on one side, stud on the other. That was that was the old shit. Like, I had that initially yeah, like when I got Yeah, back in like 2015, that was the jam. <laughs> Going back to Under Oath, Aaron yeah. Gillespie had that exact... Uh, he did facial piercing he so. did and that's when uh spencer still had the two lip rings when oh, yeah. those were super in the I, snake bites i wanted to do it but i never did yeah my dad would have beat my ass what's funny is when i was 18 um colton he was on the second episode of the podcast him and i have been friends for like over 10 years yeah and when i turned 18 i got both sides of my nose and my lip done in the same day and i went to his house that day and I walk in, his dad's like, hey. And his dad doesn't say a lot anyway. Man. But I guess like a couple days later, he was like, dude, when you left, my dad was like, he looks like he fell into a tackle box. <laughs> and I was like, that's so good. I'm not even mad. Well, I mean, in our generation, this is like normal. Tattoos, piercings, all but that like, stuff. But like, have normal. you noticed, not a lot of people are gauging their ears anymore. It's not no. very popular, especially like, to my size not mm-hmm. saying that like mine are huge but I like, mean, you got some big holes i definitely got some big holes damn sure you do <laughs> but yeah dude nobody's so nobody's doing that anymore no it's weird i don't know what you know what it kind of seems like we're turning back into the 90s like style wise like champion super popular again like all these brands and styles like the super faded blue jeans like there's so much 90s shit coming back absolutely thanks a lot chance the that's how it does i mean music is just a full revolving circle i mean post-hardcore i would say went out of style in 2009 is right now making a comeback bigger than ever like especially with like capsize's new song (gasps) yeah it's like one of the best post-hardcore songs i've ever heard I need to start listening to more of those bands again. Because, like, I'm stuck in, like, 2011. 2010, 2011, I'm stuck in that era. 
of bands. Yeah, I mean, well, that, is that when you started listening to music, like oh, this kind of genre, or no, or that, that genre? I may say that genre. So the first time I ever got my initial like post-hardcore screamo um, introduction, or like, oh, is so technically the first one was Under Oath. I heard I saw Under Oath on an episode of Warped Wednesdays on Fuse. Their only chase and safety or Define the Great Line. I think that was Define the Great Line time because the first Such album. Such a good album to get oh into. God. That tour that they did where they played those albums back to back. I'm sure that album just made your brain explode. It did, and I was just like, the drums because from that point forward, after seeing Aaron Gillespie, I was like. I have to sing and play drums and I couldn't sing for shit and I could barely play drums as it is at that time. Fun fact, taste of chaos tour after define the great line came out Taste to chouse. That was, I saw Spencer Chamberlain on stage. First time I've ever seen under oath play live. I saw that raw emotion and I looked to my best friend, Chris and I said, I'm going to be that fucking guy one day. Damn. And then that's that was the one I, with taking back Sunday. Wasn't it? Yeah, Are they like, used? It was Taking Back Sunday, um, Kill Switch Engage, Census Fail opened up for it. Okay. And I think the it was either The Used or My Chemical Romance. They did a couple of them, I remember, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I, th- I think it was The Used that year. Okay. Because I know was, Seosin did it one year. Yeah, Seosin was on the year before. I okay. didn't go to that one. I've still never seen Seosin live. It makes me really sad. Their drummer is fucking dope. Dude, their whole band is dope. But the most memorable, okay, so there was like Under Oath, and then somebody in eighth grade showed me Guys Like You Make Us Look Bad by Bless the Fall. Yep. And I was like, I don't know why I like their hair like that, but I want that. Parents didn't let me. And then Same. when I was like, I want to be a hardcore kid, and people are going to shit on me for this because they're not like super hardcore. I was standing in line to get uh, for a signing at Warp Tour 2008, and I just hear a day to remember go in on a plot to bomb the panhandle. The I would do let go, and that just like fireworks going off, and I was like, I am going down that rabbit hole. Dude, it's weird how that happens. Like, you just hear one little thing or you see one little thing and it just triggers that. And then that's the next five years plus of your life. That's what's so beautiful about music. I love it, man. And that's why you can't, like, shit on people for saying that they don't like, you know, certain songs or certain types of music. Because theoretically, like, the Gaslight Anthem being my favorite band... On paper, I should love Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. No offense, Bruce. I just, it doesn't hit. It doesn't translate. Pleasure centers in my brain. You know what I mean? Ah, dude, but that's the worst thing in our society right now. That makes us human. It's like, hey, dude, I don't like that. You're wrong. I'm right. No, guy. I got my opinion. You got yours. Fuck off. I respect you for yours. See you later, friend. (laughs) I'm not your friend, guy. But as we digress, <laughs> yes, that's my favorite thing about this podcast yeah. is we can talk as long as we want. Dude, that's why I love this podcast too. Like every podcast that I've been on, it just needs to be a super chill vibe. And yeah. When I heard yours, I was like, yeah, I, I want to be on that. 
sounds like, tat. I'm super glad that you wanted to, because I was like, he's up there, guys. No. I don't know. You've always just like had that next level, and it's because like we'll get into this, but because every time we've talked, you've always blown my mind with things about you know not only music but like business stuff. Oh yeah. Like you know almost like if I was a listener and you had the Don't Start a Band podcast, like. Mm-hmm. We had such brief conversation. Well, we had a lot of long conversations, but when you were working at Zoomies, and I feel like every time I walked out of there, I was going, all right, I know what I need to do. Yeah, dude. I mean... And Guy at Zoomies just lit a fire under my ass. And that's what that's why I'm kind of managing now, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, dude, I've, I've just always had that. I, I grew up very business. Like, my parents were like, so... You know, stopped in choir mm-hmm. in high school, just played football, 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 went to school, then had to go to college. Like, I always tried to start bands, uh-huh. but like could never find the right people. And I used to suck yeah. really bad. Like, I grew up with like Taylor and Ryan and all those 40 Fathom kids when they yeah. were in Thanks to You Still. And then like, the Forgotten Secret, like all those bands, I was always friends with them. It's just like hashtag Life Spot, dude. Life Spot, bring it back, God damn it, MySpace please. and Life Spot. I want those two things in 2019, please. Thank you, world. You but said that that music's coming back. It really is. Where like, you at, Life Spot? It truly is. And so, like, I always tried to find members, but I can only do. It was weird, like learning, especially to an album like their only chase in safety and like Hawthorne Heights. I used to sing silence in the black and white on repeat every day to school. Just that's awesome. That's where I was going. Silverstein uh, used to just, I used to have this thing where I would just get really drunk in high school. And when my friends were driving me home or driving me to another party, I would just turn on a band and I would sing and scream so poorly yeah, in their car to where they like hated me, but like I was their friend. No one ever put starts off being amazing. No, and I was just terrible. Like I could only do like these super low guttural, like yeah, you know, and yeah. you know I can't do the highs. And then you know I went to college and where'd you go to college? I went to UNC. Oh, nice. Yeah, I went to Greeley and then finished up at UCLA online. Okay, and so now nah, I'm like. Even in Greeley, I was trying to start bands all the time. Could never do it. Like, I would do some guest spots with some friends and stuff mm-hmm. like that where they're like, uh, yeah, we can tolerate your little go to roll for a second. And when I first went to college, I called my mom and she was like, well, it's the end of your freshman year. What are you getting your degree in? And I was like, music production. She's like, that's not a real job. Don't do that. And she, you know, she pretty much like oh, talked me into going to business school uh-huh. so I went to the business school I finished my degree in marketing and now have a degree in music business as well as of two months ago damn so like I was just always very business oriented and then I like dipped off the face of the planet moved out to LA was working for a big corporation their marketing department what big uh, corporation uh, Skechers where I'm where I'm oh, a store really? manager now yeah so I went to um, work for Skechers in their marketing department uh, I was living with my dad in Redondo Beach. Had a lot of um, really low times in Greeley that yeah. inspire a lot of my music. Like uh, about 80% of my 
um, lyrics that I've written in the past three years has been all about that time. And then reflection, reflection, and then mixed in with like some of the constant struggles. Cause dude, like Greeley, I was a fucking piece of shit, man. Like they're out there though. It, it's out there, it's but a little like, isolated. I've always been, I've always struggled with uh pretty bad anxiety and then depression. And then I, I was like, all right, man, I'm 21 years old. Like, what am I going to do to mask this? And it's like, all right, dude, well, I'm going to drink a shit ton and do a lot of drugs. It's going to be yeah. tight. And uh, my pancreas has shut down on me from um, drinking so much Jameson and other. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. It's bad. It's stupid. Don't it's not start worth a band. Your ta- not worth Don't your time. Drugs. Not worth your money. It only lasts for an hour. And then you want more. It's stupid. And my pancreas are shut down on me. So I was like, all right, man. Like, doctors are like, all right, you can't drink for six months. You need to do all this. So, like, I quit so many vices within a matter of a week. And I was, like, at a, at a bar on New Year's being a DD for my friends. I called my dad to wish him a happy New Year's in California. And he was like, man, you sound bad. Like, what's going on? Like, I can just tell you're in your mode. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm depressed as shit. I hate it here. I don't know what to do. I can't do any of these things that used to help me, even though they were poor decisions to yeah. help me, you know. And he's like, come out here, man. Get a job. So that night I went home, talked to nobody except for my mother. Like my best friend didn't even know that I moved to California until two weeks after. Damn. And put all my shit in my car, my clothes and my TV. Drove out. Got my life together. And then, like, three years later, my uh, good buddy uh, Carl gave me a call. And he was like, hey, man, we're going on tour. Like, want to come? It's like, sure, dude. What do you – why are you asking me? He's like, oh, you want to do merch and, like, you know, be a tour manager? And I was like, I, I don't know. And he's like, all right, well, here's the deal. We're going to Albuquerque, New Mexico for this Halloween show. And then we're going to – some smaller town in Texas, and I can Amarillo. Dude, I played in Amarillo. Amarillo's last year. tight. What Bomb venue? City. Nice. It was so, uh, uh, the venue was like, it almost looked like a barn inside, but there was a bar as yep. well. Yep. Is that where you guys mm-hmm. played? Yeah. So we played there before. We played in a couple Those different places. Those people go in Amarillo. off. They really do. It's tight. But that time we were, they'd overbooked the venue. So there was like a Rocky Mountain horror show going on inside. Oh damn. And they made them play outside. And this is in Halloween in Texas, dude. It was cold as shit. It was like yeah. twenty degrees. Like I was just sitting there in like five layers. I was like uh, yeah, Do you guys wanna really... buy this shirt? <laughs> and like that weekend, like just that vibe of like just being on the road with your best friends and kicking it and just like selling shirts and watching music and meeting all these new people i was just like drawn to it and then from there i toured with them for another two years um two full inner like two full national tours and then that's when i ended up actually taking over the vocals for them for a small stint of time so did you when they went to europe did you go with them i did not oh you did um probably one of the biggest regrets of my life yeah but 
that was when I was about exiting out of yeah. their like their touring style and could have been toxic. Yeah, you know, it was it was a weird situation with them and I love those guys yeah. with all my heart, but it was just a weird situation and then cuz that was my like my first show I ever played was when I was 25 years old. Oh, really? 25 years old as a vocalist at Summit when the scene used to be good and that place was fucking packed. I saw you. Yeah. Because In with Death the and Al- Decay. With the Outline and Color show. Yeah. In Death and Decay. That was my it. first show ever. Really? Mm-hmm. Your, f- like, first ever? First ever being on stage. Um, like, minus, like, a couple, like, I used to do um, this part in one of their songs when we were touring yeah. before that, but it was just so bad. And... You know, um, when they were exiting with their old screamer, um, Carl and I had talked a lot. And, like, I always had, like, that super low guttural, still had mm-hmm. it. I took one singing lesson from a guy by the name of Draven Gray. Showed me Melissa Cross. Um, taught me how to breathe properly. She's the one that, te- like, works yeah. with all those people on Warp Tour, yeah? Mm-hmm. Shout and out, Melissa. Shout out. Like, you want to be on the screaming, podcast? Do that shit. Um and yeah, dude, all of a sudden, like within a day, I had it fry. Yeah. I had the scream that I have now. And Damn. like, I don't even know how I do it, but yeah. it just happens. And so like, I was like, hey guys, give me a shot. Give me one shot at practice. I know you're set. Let's try it. Yeah. And somehow like, you know, Carl inevitably, it was always going to be Carl after he got off drums. He mm-hmm. wanted to do it all which I respect fully because that guy, I mean, he started that shit with Sam. Like they've been through, you know, the shit for so many years and cycled throughout so many vocalists. That's like, yeah, I, I, I understood it. And he was getting tired during like the first song and he like just waves at me. He's like, come grab the fucking microphone guy. And I did it. And like Mike and Andy, were in that band at the time and like everyone just kind of like turned and looked at me on the first song and they're like fuck did this guy learn how to do this damn and and by that time they had the fucking air blasters and lights and such a big production yeah it was super cool and so like yeah that was my first and then that turned into being my first show um i ever played um scared shitless uh I almost pooped my pants like three times. It was a it was a good time. Like it's like I love Outline Color. Yeah. And they were like, Yeah, we're gonna go on tour with Outline Color. They're gonna play that summit show. I'm like, So we're playing after them? And like I'm talking to like Trevor and For why? Yeah. I'm like <laughs> I'm like, what? That's not sense. Uh, that doesn't make sense. I'm like talking to like Nick Taylor, their drummer who's like a good dude, and Trevor and Skaggs. And I'm like looking at him like, yo, Trevor, do you have any advice, man? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is my first show ever. And he's like, nah. And he's like, um, just kind of do it. You know? Yeah, and it. you guys got two vocalists. So I always go forward. I always go forward when I got my part and Casey goes behind me. And then whenever Casey has his parts, I he goes forward and I go behind him. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that. And after like the first song, which is like the intro and it's like a predominantly like screaming song. Mm-hmm. And I go back to grab my water and I just remember like Trevor from outline and color 
and Blake Horde like stay inside stage. And Trevor just looks at me and just goes, Are you sure this is your first show? And I'm like, Is it good? He's I like, wouldn't have known. He's like, You're fucking killing it. I'm like, Oh, okay then. Yeah. So yeah, and then unfortunately they had dropped that tour and I went on my first ever tour as a vocalist the next day for two weeks. Which then led into the Screen Blue Murder Tour, where I did um, the North America side and Canada side. And then I actually had to um, fly out to L.A. and then back home for some, you know, other family personal matters that happened. And when it came to brass tacks, um, at this point, I decided we had all decided that I wasn't going to be a full member. And I was like, I'm not going to spend money to go to Europe right now, which yeah. I wish I would have. But For the experience, but I but, think... You know, the, I got home and I got a band. And yeah, the route you there. took was better for Tim. Yeah, it was, it was a good learning curve. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. My first show was at a uh, Wahoo's Fish Tacos. No shit. It was outside on the patio. Which Wahoo's? Uh, the one at Park Meadows. It was an audition for a Battle of the Bands. And we actually we played that show, and then we advanced on to the final, which is nuts. That's just crazy they did at that Wahoo's. I know. It was like literally in the back corner of that patio. Yeah, because I, I know that patio somewhere. well. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I just remember I had a Famous Stars and Straps shirt on, Famous Stars and Straps hat on. Hell the, yeah. The khaki-colored dickies, and I probably had, you know, Vans with the high socks. Just 100% zoomied out. <laughs> 100% Travis Barker doubt. Uh, yeah. Love it. So anyway. Were you playing drums at that time? Yeah. Yeah. I actually didn't start playing guitar up until um, almost seven years ago. And like I started playing shows when I was 12, 13. Nice. And then uh, didn't start really playing guitar until I graduated high school. So all throughout high school, I only played drums. And even when I started teaching myself the guitar and started writing like my first backseaters demos, Mm -hmm. I was still, um, you know, playing drums for playing drums for bands and then filling in for people here and there. I've always loved doing that just because um, you get to play. Well, yeah. And you just get to play so many different styles, like playing with If I Fail and A Thousand Miles of Fire on drums. Like I was always more of a. Um, you know, accents, jazz, light-handed. I mean, I played heavy. Yeah. But, like, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it was cool playing with them, and, like, I never really had a reason to do double bass before, so being able to do breakdowns, like, I'd never played in a band with breakdowns, so doing that, too, was, like, you know. Just eye-opening. Oh, yeah. But it helps, dude, like, doing that. Yeah. I'm sure it has expanded to what the backseaters are now. Definitely. Now you have, I mean, if you just throw in one influence and that's all that you got, yeah. your band's not good. Well, our you take song... take all these. Yeah, exactly. Put well, a little melting pot that works. All of the different genres and stuff that we as a band listen to, mm-hmm. it doesn't even seem like it would come together. Right. But, uh, yeah, our song, Found 
on the EP, the one that says you don't have to die to be a ghost, yeah. that guitar part was inspired because I was playing guitar for If I Fail, and it was more of like a pop punky, like um, super rhythmic strumming. Um, and that's where that's how I came up with the da 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 Yeah. And like I used to just play So. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the same shit your whole entire life, it gets boring. Hell yeah. And write the same shit too. <laughs> exactly. For sure. So, Victory Heights. And then did you start Owl Eye? No, I did not. Um, Owl it kind of seemed like, don't take this the wrong way, but now that I'm thinking about it, I do remember them being something before you started, but it definitely looked like you just went in and you were like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. Uh, to, to a stance. Um, yeah. yeah. So they actually were on that show. That was my first show. Oh yeah. And yeah. so, um, when I was on that last tour with victory Heights, um, they, that was right when they were parting with their vocalist. And I knew that this was going to be my last tour with victory Heights as a vocalist. Mm-hmm. So like at that point I had the hunger and I was yeah. like, okay, I know I can do this shit. I started, a couple steps ahead of a lot of musicians. Mm-hmm. Like I was very fortunate oh. and lucky enough for that. But it's like, okay, my first show is in front of 700 people at the Sun Music Hall, and I leave for my first tour the next day, which is what's a one of the best tours that Victory Heights has been on. Yeah, and you know, and um, so I saw that they had parted ways with their vocalists, and I messaged them. I was like, hey, I would love to send you. You know, I would love to try out. And they're like, uh, their guitarist DJ responded back to me. He's like, are you the guy that's in Victory Heights? And I'm like, currently, yes. And he's like, okay, do you have anything to send us? And at that time, I only had um, this stupid, it's stupid, but also the greatest side project ever. Really awesome people everywhere. Yeah. I, I that's think, what it's called? Yeah. I remember talking to you about this at Zoomies. Um, Spencer loved it. But oh. it's just it's just super beat down like don't 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 acronym rape yes it is okay as a- that, that was the whole point um <laughs> we we it was gonna initially be really awesome people and we're actually Sam and Mike were in Mike's studio um writing out pre pro for Victory Heights hit a little bit of writer's block. And Sam and I were like, do you want to do like a quick, like dumb, heavy song real quick? Like use your lows. And so it was really awesome people. And then it turned into everywhere just because rape was funny. And like, uh, it's, it's not funny, but it's funny in the right context. All right. I digress. It was rape. It was stupid. I've known Tim for a long time. He doesn't think rape is funny. I do not condone rape. Let's just put it out that way. It's but just, the the acronym of really awesome people everywhere becoming rape is just fucking hilarious. And our lyrical content was just as atrocious and it like is bad. Like a lot but, of people don't know, but there's a lot of bands like that. It's bad, but it's good. Like we like you know, like listening to like a mirror and all the in like earlier plot in you where it's like I'm yeah. pregnant. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's I like so like we wrote this song and it was I can't remember what the name of it was, but at the end of it it's just I just had a bad day. 
Like Sam and I were just having a bad day. Yeah. So like the first thing I ever recorded as a vocalist was I'll slit your throat and watch you bleed out on the floor, bitch. Blah. Damn. And there's just dun dun. And and there's a sick archer reference, but so we ended up writing an EP that's like four minutes long. I'll send it to you sometime. It's five songs, four minutes long. It's just like all under a minute songs that are just heavy and stupid. Yeah. We actually recorded with Seth Munson. Yeah, yeah, it's dumb. But they're like, so Ally is like, can you send us any music? I'm like, well, I mean, I, I technically, yes. And so I sent him, I was like, to? hey, so this is a joke side project yeah. um, called Really Awesome People Everywhere. Here you go. And DJ hit me back up and he was just like, hey, dude, I knew who you are. I saw you at that show. Yeah. Um, how long you been doing this? I was like, oh, that's my first show. And so when I got back from tour, he was like, yeah, um, here's three songs. Learn them. Come try out. So I went in and tried out and I did one song in a quarter of the other and then we all just kind of stopped and talked and like you know as you brought up earlier like i'm very business oriented and i have that mindset that's like okay what are you guys looking to do Mm -hmm. because at this point like i've only known touring i've only known like trying to do bigger things well like you said you had that hunger already yeah like there's a carrot there's a carrot in front of me and i'm trying to get that fucking carrot you know so um so you know we sat down and i was like where do you guys want to be in the next two years and they're like we want to be here and i was like okay cool and they just looked at me like you know we started another song and they just looked at me i was like so are you down i'm like yeah 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 i'm down let's do this let's do this like i was just all in i was like okay i have an opportunity i tried for so many years i got one lucky opportunity with victory heights like just to get the mind for touring as a tour manager and a merch guy to where normally it was just like i'm just there to have a good time make sure all my bros are taken care of and sell merch and like from how many friends I'd met and just the networking, seeing the backbones of the industry, like I was just like, okay, I want this. So it was a snap call. And I was like, yep, let's do this. Yeah. And then we immediately started writing. Um, we played like one show. That... I think I saw you guys. Did you play at the Marquee? Mm-hmm. I feel like I saw you open for somebody at the Marquee. Uh, Silent Planet or Dayseeker? I think it was Dayseeker. Or like we played with the, uh, the Sky Dark and some, I think it was Dayseeker. I believe it was that one. Yeah, that was our last show ever. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we put out an EP. I, you know, I have nothing but respect for those guys, but it just the the mindsets were never there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, especially you, you you've been playing music and playing in bands since you were, you say, twelve, thirteen. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Like, I started my first so, band when I was 12. So you know how hard it is to like find the right group of guys. To it, where it's like, yeah. it, it's hard being in a band and everyone being on the same page. Because yeah. we all have life surrounding us. And it's like, okay, my ideal of this idea that we want to go for, mm-hmm. there's one avenue to where everyone else has a different avenue. Yeah. And exactly. some of those avenues, they're never going to get you to that destination. And so that's, that's where... Ally essentially came to the end and you know like 
I was very, I was very calm and mellow for like the first five months of being in that band until mm-hmm. our EP came out. And then I was like, okay, like I'm not the new guy anymore. Yeah. Like, and you got a blessed ass. I'm not the new guy anymore. Like I took a lot of responsibility yeah. upon myself. I did all the social media, um, basically funded everything, yeah. um, you know, for quite some time, uh, bought us a van, um, did like so much amount of promotion and bullshit trying to get us all the steam and yeah it just you know some things just had to come to an end and like at that point i was done i was just like all right, yeah it's not gonna work out tried so so hard and then you know a couple months down the line after managing so i was like all right, if i can't be in a band i can at least find people that i see me and yeah. them and i can help them develop mm-hmm. and steer them in the right direction yeah were and, you working with rain in july mm-hmm. when i saw you at the marquee yeah okay i thought i remembered you saying that but i couldn't yeah remember. so started working with them last last september okay. was when ben really started to do stuff and he had actually hit me up um about if I had any music projects and I wanted to be managed. And I was like, new, but I want to get in that. I yeah. want to manage. I know some things. I got some good, you know, ideas and good traits about me. Some things is a slight understatement. Uh, no. <laughs> nah, it's all simple. You just got to know yeah. what you, you're, we're given tools and you just got to learn how to use those tools. Yeah. You, you have the, you take the time. And yeah, you have the lighter fluid and you have the matches, but it's yeah. lighting the fucking match. Yeah, I'm the guy that's there getting the spark. And, yeah. you know, like just how you were saying at Zoomies, like I'm good at lighting a fire under people's asses, just like yeah. with the knowledge I've gained from what I was lucky to be part of for mm-hmm. four years. You know, I was yeah. touring a lot for four years, which was fun. And I learned a lot. And so then I started working with Ben uh, with Ray in July. And then that's kind of when DJ came back to me and he's like, I'm not over this. I'm like, yeah. you're right. I didn't do what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. then we started thinking of ideas for a band. We found two really awesome dudes to wear without them. This wouldn't be a project. I would have given yeah. up without those guys. Because I was like, if we're going to do this, we need the right people with the talent, the mindset, and the experience. Yeah. And that's where Brian and Hank came in. Mm-hmm. And we started Rose. Rose. Oh, Rose. The thing that we were talking about before the podcast is um, people overlook how important it is to build a sturdy foundation. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, and I'm guilty of it, a hundred percent of just like I want to be in a band I have these songs I'm going to put them out Go. you yeah. know what I mean I don't have promo pictures I don't have this I don't have that go you know what I mean but like you did it and then I mean you know Night Love right yeah that uh-huh. dude did the same thing built hype dude Taylor's like, killing it yeah well and the fact that he releases a single every so often and a music video mm-hmm. with it like it just like 
I don't know. Anticipation, like we were talking about, it building is. anticipation, it making is. people curious as to what you're doing. It is, and you know that's like, that's like the main thing that I told Rain July. I was like, you guys, if we're working with you, like you're not playing every weekend. And yeah, like, you can't I, do I, that. I, I very much dislike it when bands are like, oh well, we're gonna play this weekend, and at the end of the set, uh. Just so you guys know, if you want to see us again, check us out next weekend right here. Same place, same set. They don't. Nobody's (laughs) going to fucking come, dude. What more do you have to offer them? So it's like, it's just small things like that. Like, play your home market once or twice a year. At the most, once a quarter. Yeah. You know, if you you want that. But promote But promote and write good. At the end of the day, if you write good music... And you release it in a proper way, mm-hmm. things are going to happen. For but sure. if you write mediocre music, you play every weekend, and you're wondering why a record label, a manager, a booking agent, you're not getting on the show, you're not getting on this tour, you're wondering why all these things aren't happening, it's because you've already fucking worn out your hype. Yeah. You've already done it. But at the same time, do like you the, think... There is a place to start. Yeah. Like if you're starting and you're a brand new developing band, you've never been in a band before, mm-hmm. yes, do that. You need get to in, meet people. Get in front of as many people as you can and grow. Yeah. We're we're just like like I don't know. I I always feel arrogant when I say this, but it's just like we're not at that level. Like when we're we are yes, we're a new band. We've released two songs. We have yet to play a show. Yeah. We practiced a handful of times. Mm-hmm. But we got a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know? And it's just because we have that business mentality. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's jaded and it it sucks. And at the end of the day, people are going to listen to this and be like, God, that Tim, he's a fucking arrogant asshole. But it's nah. like... But it's like, nah, dude. Like people have been saying that probably about me since episode one. Oh, they've been here. Saying we are about, number twelve. They've been saying that about <laughs> me since I was associated with VH. Love you guys. <laughs> but I don't think they I'm watched the kidding. podcast. They, they didn't. But uh, <laughs> but no, dude. It's just you know, it goes back to that thing where it's just like you gotta, yeah, write cool music, dude. Yeah, that's step one. Step two, just know what your goals are and then do it like we formed we all came together and like rosu has been a band since november of last year or november of this year of 2018 so almost a year when did we release our first single june when did we announce our band may before that for sure two two weeks before we released the first single how yeah, because I remember many, how many I... songs do we have done and finished and recorded right now? Twenty-two. Oh Jesus! <laughs> so like, aren't close to there at least? We have a lot. So like, we were just like, let's go in, let's write as much as we can, let's get some shit done, and then when the pieces are there, we figured out our aesthetic. We figured out everything from how we're gonna look in promos, how like the ideal of this rose blooming with mm-hmm. like our hashtag a rose will bloom, you know, like I never noticed that we, we are the rose like, yeah, Rosu is Japanese for rose. 
we are this entity that is blooming and becoming its own. So it's all around this blooming rose. And as you're going to see for the next year and a half, as we continue to release this shit, Mm -hmm. it's all going to make sense just because we really like did the groundwork and we're like, here's our aesthetic. Here's the vision. It's filling the pieces. Yeah. So, you know, like all of these singles that we're releasing, cause we went out, um, I went out and recorded, I was recording, um, five songs with my friend, Tyler rule, who's a producer in San Diego, mm-hmm. um, guitars for noble best dude ever toured with him back in the victory heights days. Um, love you boo. And, uh, you know, we started recording, uh, these five songs the day that dissolve came out, which was a really? song that Rosie didn't even write together. That was just me and Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got bored one weekend. I was all angsty. This was right before. Did you play all the instruments? Nope. Tyler did. Damn. Um, it was, it was actually really funny. It was before Rosie was even developed. Yeah. Before we had Brian on board. Um, we kind of had Hank on the fence, but Hank's like just the dopest dude. We were yeah. like, here's a vision. Here's a style. And he was like, I'm fucking down. And so that's it. <laughs> like that, that was Hank. Him and I had a couple beers. We meshed well. And I was like, yeah, dude, you're in. Uh, I'll let you know like what's going on, what the yeah. next step is. And you know, yeah. getting back into that music, I was just like, all right, man, I haven't seen my friend Tyler in three years at this point. I miss mm-hmm. hanging out with you. Um, fly out here. Let's, you know, write a song because he's a very, very good songwriter and he's come a long way in the past three years. So I was like, yeah, dude, let's fucking do it. Let's yeah. hang out. So I flew him out to Colorado. Uh, we hung out for f- five or six days. Uh, the first mm-hmm. three days was just a drunken shit show as it always says with Manhattan. Yeah. You know, you know, we went to a couple shows, got, you know, had some nights and then we sat down, we recorded everything in my apartment. How's that pancreas? It was great. It, it's doing good. <laughs> yeah. I, I control myself now. Um, as long you as took you time off. Yeah. As long too. as you don't drink yeah. a bottle of Jameson a day, every day for a year and a half, two years straight, you're going to be good. That's good advice, Tim. But if you do more, if you do that, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> you're going to have some complications for yeah, sure. For sure, dude. And, um, you know, I really don't drink that much anymore. Like, I, I have beers every once in a while, yeah. but I don't get, like, hammered drunk as often as I would like to. Um, but, yeah, so we wrote this song, um, structured it, um, loved the instrumentals. We got everything going, recorded it all on Reaper. Uh, with just like some shitty plugins. Um, yeah. And then my mom was out of town. We actually drove to her house up in Highlands Ranch um, just because mm-hmm. I lived in an apartment. And we were, it was the last day um, we needed to do vocals at night. Um, and so we went, we set up a blanket fort booth. Okay. So essentially, I just had three comforters over my head, sweaty as fuck. You were holding them mm-hmm. at the time you were doing vocals. Yep, with an SMB7. I was literally in my underwear, and that's it. <laughs> I was hot as fuck. And um, we wrote um, all the vocals that day. We had the melody for the chorus. Not even the chorus, just the verses. Um, and we just kind of freestyled it. Yeah. 
and two hours of tracking vocals we had dissolve or we Damn. at least had like what we had and then tyler went home um mixed in i'm i'm very critical when it comes to mixes thank god his mixes are getting good he's just getting mm-hmm. new high scores every time and you know like he we you know like it came on to all right what song do we release first yada yada and brian he's just like dude why don't we just release dissolve if we don't if that's not a rosu song i'm not fucking yeah. down and i was like cool let's have that be the first release it was a lot of shit that i needed to get off my chest um mm-hmm. you know pers- from a personal standpoint i was like all right fuck it let's do it and sure enough did well um Release that, started tracking the next couple songs, released the last song uh, in September, and we just have just seen this like steady rise of just yeah. like growth. And it's just like, okay, Dissolve did this when it first released, Faces is doing this. And right now we're getting ready to record um, a couple of music videos for the, re- for the rest of the releases. And really give people like the first hands look at who Rose who actually is outside yeah. of the promo, you know, I mean, that'd be dope. And we did it in a proper way, you know, like we released two singles, haven't done much. Uh, we keep up on our socials with content and then we every day, nah, it, uh, that, every other day. That's where we'll disagree, <laughs> agree to disagree. But, um, but now we, um, we started working with the PR company Yeah. to where right off the bat, we were doing um, a bunch of um, interviews and press releases and stuff like that um, for all these different variations of from the very bottom to some bigger ones like Substream Magazine. I think we got a full page spread in there um, a couple weeks after Dissolve. You um, guys got that look that I feel like if you were flipping through AP, yeah. you would definitely come to a spread where it would have, uh, you know, you guys on it like you have that look like you'd be an alternative press for sure i wish man that'd be tight we get there we're thinking about ep but they're kind of dying not that many people are working with them anymore like i love you ap but you you guys are kind of fucked off in the past two years um, i grew up on ap i have was like, same man like i remember reading like i got this issue of ap and one of my best friends in the whole entire world's on the cover being kyle and i'm like holy shit yeah and now it's like i don't even care what ap has to say it's either sleeper sirens fucking black veil brides or it's like bullshit like meme stuff you know yeah five seconds of summer yeah it's just like i don't like i care i respect these bands but at the same Mm -hmm. time like talk about music dude i don't care about your review of the new halloween movie yeah, I don't care about like this kid on TV that dressed up like a fucking turtle or like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure they covered that at some point, but like yeah. just spitballing here. But it's just like, I, I, I open up AP every now and again and I look at it and it's just, like two articles out of every five days are actually like, well, yeah. like well written and like have a meaning or a purpose behind them. The mm-hmm. rest of it's just all fluff. Yeah. It's not about music anymore. It's just about staying relevant. And I like, couldn't even tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's just all about staying relevant, dude. And yeah, I love them. I, I wish they took it back to their roots because they're like the longest lasting standing like of this genre that actually is doing things. And mm-hmm. it was like, I mean, dude, like it took them three days to even say something about the new Underworld song. 
Like, fuck really? off, motherfuckers. Damn. I Hate It is the greatest song from that album. They were on point when they first released stuff, but still. Yeah. It's like, how does that take you three days? It's fucking under oath. Yeah. Get out of here. Well, back in the day, I mean, they probably sent their shit to AP beforehand so that the day they released it, they probably had uh, yeah, that's you how know, it, something already written. But... That's how it normally works. It's like it's a, a three-month to a six-month plan is yeah. how things used to be released. Mm-hmm. And now it's like at most a month and a half. It's, it's, it's almost about 90 days. At most for releases like to create hype Mm because we live in a digital age man there's new songs coming out every day yeah and our attention spans like we have these phones everything's on here i can look at whatever i want and i'm like reading about pokemon one second and then oh cool some something else came up this band just dropped a new song yeah and you know that's where we need to look at where the industry's going so like our whole idea is just let's release a song build off it for a month or two, release another song, build off it for a month or two with content, release this third song. That's going to be when our first show happens. Build off that. We have this song after that tour. And then we have this final song, which is Dope AF, that one I showed you earlier. <laughs> Love it that was, song. It was rad. The and feature then, on it was dope as well. Yeah, and then we'll have that. And then we've been working on an album. So... It's Damn. like single, 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 build hype, build the foundation. Um, we're working on a couple tours, working on a couple shows, and then we'll start promoting the album in like March, April yeah. for a May release. And it's like, that's just how it has to go. So that's it, why I don't like when bands just like, oh, we recorded this song last night. It's so cool. Dropping it. Yeah. No. No. Not unless This is you why people don't listen. Not unless you put a thousand dollars into sponsoring it, but yeah. it sounds like from what you're saying, and I mean, I've even heard this as well is like, um, you know, if you're a smaller, definitely unsigned band or whatever, especially like seeing your guys's growth, night loves growth, um, you know, all that stuff, like in this day and age, would you say it doesn't really make sense within your first couple of releases to put out a full length because everybody's in an age where they want singles and then oh an ep here's four songs and then single 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 you know i I don't think so um from my personal standpoint i don't think albums are important anymore yeah they're not um because sorry a place to rest your feet I mean, mean, albums are cool. Um, Don't get don't get me wrong with that. I didn't really like take that in a wrong way. I the thing with that is like it was me and David's first release because the first release was all me. Yeah, and so it was David and I's first release. It was super indie. I had eleven songs that I couldn't choose from, and so we were just like, "Here you go, world." Yeah, no, I mean. Like, albums are cool and it's good, but at this day and age, it's like, okay, we could have gone in and we could have wrote an album. Mm-hmm. We could have wrote an album like most bands do where they all, every song sounds the exact same. Like, you know, you, have, filler you have your, you have your core four singles and then you have your filler songs around yeah. that same 
style. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, especially being a new band. What if people don't catch on to that? Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, you've put yourself into a hole with an album to where a proper album release, you know, you release set, you release one single, two single, three single, release the album, and then you tour off that for a year to two. Mm-hmm. Cool. More so pe- like one year nowadays. Yeah. So if people don't like that album, mm-hmm. what happens? You're in the exact same place where you started. Yeah. So like, especially for us, I mean, Dissolve was super post hardcore. Faceless is heavy as fuck. One yeah. of the heaviest songs I've ever written. That sounds like a heavy song. It is. <laughs> Faceless. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, it's very it's very hardcore. It's talking about some of them Greeley days. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we wrote, like, you know, like, we just want to be that band that we want to stay true to our post-hardcore roots, but we also want to branch out. So, like, we, like the next release, dude, has one of the most new metal choruses of yeah. all time. So, if you had to put one genre on it is post-hardcore okay just because it's such a vast genre that has taken so many influencers mm-hmm. from other genres that it gives you that creative freedom yeah and so it's like okay people don't people don't you know say people didn't catch on to faceless mm-hmm. and then the next song comes out people catch on to that cool so now we know the next song that comes out after that is even heavier than faceless is yeah. If people didn't catch on to Faceless, maybe we can hold off on this one for a second. Mm-hmm. Maybe that can just be a B-side and something that we just throw up without no yeah. promotion. You know, just something else for Spotify listeners or to play in a live set. But we have these tools where it's like we don't have to pigeonhole ourselves. Yeah. Because it's like we're the kind of band that writes Faceless one day and the next day DJ comes into my house into my studio and writes an acoustic riff and then we have this ballad acoustic song damn like that's that's how we are yeah and it's like we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves man because when you pigeonhole yourselves like you have no room for growth you have no room to find out which demographic it is exactly you're you're writing for the wrong reasons like yeah. we're writing for us and only for us you know yeah. so well if you listen to uh you know Cinema, mm-hmm. which was the first single off of that first EP I did. Yeah. It was straight like folk rock, like dun 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 dun. Yeah. And then you listen to the Phantom EP, mm-hmm. night and day. Oh. And we have never once, like, I think on our Facebook book it says like indie alternative or just alternative, or I've simplified it to we play rock and roll. There's electric guitars and drums. And we play music. That is it. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't even know what to say. Sometimes people will say, oh, man, you sound like Blink-182. And then the next day they'll say, you know, oh, you guys sound like Turnover. I can't remember what Prelude Press said. They said Turnover mixed with somebody. If you know, drop it in the comments. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right about not pigeonholing yourself. And I feel like no offense to pop punk. Well, okay. A lot of, a lot of offense to pop punk because it's all all the same shit. It's the same music. Like the only band that like actually progresses from album to album is state champs in my personal opinion. Well, have you heard story so far's new album? Ah, no, I, I I kind of gave up on them. I'm sorry, but you know me, okay? Yeah. My word is semi-decent in your eyes. No, it is. 
It's very decent. It's not just so their bad. new album. Doesn't and, fuck. Dude, it's it made me fall in love with the story so far again, but it's not even like pop punk. Yeah. And it comes from like a lot of it. I don't know if a lot of people noticed, but I noticed and I've said this to people before and they're tired of hearing me saying it, but um way earlier this year around february i started getting obsessed with oasis like beyond obsessed and then like a month after that parker cannon starts posting pictures of oasis Mm -hmm. in his instagram story and i was like oh shit and then you listen to their new album and it's got a 90s like almost 90s psychedelic like rock and roll feel you know what i mean doesn't sound um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound anything like under soil and dirt at all. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, for sure, definitely listen to. Uh... Oh fuck, what is that? The single. They have a music video for it. Oh, it's not "Take Me as You Please." It's fuck it's gonna pop into my head i don't want to it's gonna be one of those things that like pops up at like 2 a.m tonight you're gonna be like fuck that was the name i'm like tim tim on instagram i'm gonna be in your dms tim 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 yeah for sure i'm gonna take over talking here for a second quick break the step out yes uh down to the other end hang a right and it'll be on your left perfect let's go so yeah, that's uh, a lot of information just now, you know. Tim, like like we said, I've known Tim for five years, and ever since I met the dude, he's been so eccentric and so like, you know, Taylor Hahn and Tim are both very um, very confident people in the best way possible uh, because. You know, they not only believe in what they do, but they have that backbone and that foundation to be able to say, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know what I mean? And like both Tim and Taylor Hahn have proof, you know, because of bands that they've been in or projects that they've put out, you know, uh, I've learned a lot from both of them. And um, Tim is definitely... Uh, like we said, lit a fire under my ass um, as far as like touring goes, promotion, and the way he's going about Rozu is definitely, um, you know, it's working out really well. And I wish that I would have started the Backseaters the way Rozu and Night Love have done it because it's just genius and like a big thing for a release pre-release is building anticipation you want to build anticipation and make people excited you know you can't just drop it you know have a release date drop it and just you know let the dust settle and see what's going on you have to like build anticipation and going back to oasis and going back to previous conversations of the podcast that's why you know before we put out the phantom ep i kept saying 
this album is going to be huge in Europe. We're going to have the biggest EP in Europe. And I just kept saying it. Did I 100% believe it? Absolutely not. But you tell everybody that your EP is going to be the biggest EP in Europe. 50% of people are going to be like, you're full of shit. Shut up. And then the other 50% of people are going to be like, oh, yeah, well, I'll listen to this release when it comes out, and I'll tell you if it's going to be the biggest release in Europe. But people end up checking it out. So, you know, there's definitely a level of believing in yourself. But uh, I was telling the listeners and the viewers that it's all about the pre-release hype. And then once you release it, another huge thing is you can't just drop it and you know no, do you a release to, show and go it. silent. Yeah, you own it. It's, you gotta shove it down people's. It's throat. know it, show it, grow it. Yeah. What? Know it. <laughs> know it, show it, grow it. I just, I heard, I like heard all the it's, and then I heard grow it, and I, yeah. What? We're growers, not showers. One hundred percent truth. Right. Griffith from Fox Lake. Um, can verify that for me. I love that kid so much. Griffith is one of the most genuine, honest human beings. You want fucking honesty? Hit up Griffith and he'll tell you like it is. Oh, yeah. He he said that really awesome people were shit, but he liked what we were doing. Yeah. (laughs) No, he's... I love that kid so much. So down to earth and like... Fox Lake. That whole band, dude. Fox Lake, that's another band that's doing the, you know, releasing singles. They really are. Yeah. They're, they're doing it in a very, like... Have you seen them live yet? Yeah. we. So, they were on... Fox Lake. I'm going to have them on They the were on that show too. with us. Um, As the Sky Darkens uh, tour kickoff. We played that show with them. That was like one of our last shows. It was Owlai? Yeah. As the Sky Darkens, Fox Lake. That must have been like one of their first shows. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was like their like third or fourth. Yeah. Were they covering Limp Biscuit at that time? Fuck yeah, they were. Dude. Cause they I, kill it. I straight up told Brandon when Brandon sent me the first single um that they Brandon, recorded. I love Brandon as like, well. Like B Kemper. Yes. Love you and your mustache. I want those rides all day long. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, he sent me that first single. I was like, if you guys don't cover Limp Biscuit, then I fucking will Damn. never listen Damn. to you. And sure enough, he was like, oh, don't worry, bud. We are. I was like, thank God, dude. Because honestly, if you're a fan of music and you say that Limp Biscuit is trash, the name is trash. I'll give it that. But if you say that Limp Biscuit's trash, I don't trust you, man. The thing about it is Limp like, Biscuit fucks. Like <laughs> you ask a bunch of people, especially like when they played If I Fail's EP release show. I mean, if you ask everybody in that room, I'm sure seventy to eighty percent people would be like, fuck Limp Biscuit. But then they come in on that song, uh, it's just one of those days where you don't want to wake up and everyone just knows every single word and is singing along. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude, so many, yeah. um, rolling. Yeah. You know, the words, rolling, you know, break rolling, stuff, rolling. you know, nookie like, yeah. yeah, dude, you can say that you don't like that band, but you know, their words. Yeah. Um, that's called longevity. 
Yeah. And it's called writing good music. Fred Durst has a beard now. Yeah. Well, did you hear about? Yeah. Did you hear about uh, Ollie Sykes, like, Bream the Horizon, trying to write their album? I pay- feel like something popped up on Facebook, and I saw both of their pictures together. So they paid Ollie and Jordan 50 grand or like some ridiculous number. It was it was in like the tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, they they paid him this to write their new ship. Bring me the horizon mm-hmm. to write Limp Biscuit shit. Yeah. So Jordan and Ollie were signed on to write their new shit. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan and Ollie were in the studio for like three days. And they were like, fuck off with this. Took their money and bailed. Like got paid, bailed. That's fucked. Which is hilarious, but it's also cool because, like, who would have even thought, you know, 10 years ago? Like, dude, like, all right, talking about progression, going back to progression. Look at fucking Bring the Horizon. Yeah. Deathcore, metalcore, metalcore, poppy metalcore. Yeah. And now, oops, they're way up here. They're in the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Getting paid $50,000 to sit in the studio three days for Limp Biscuit. Damn. Yeah. I'm like, not going to lie, though, that... And um, they changed, dude. Yeah. That's Drown. That's, I love Drown. So, I love that song. So, song's so good. That whole album's I don't really like good. Throne, though. Sorry. I I liked Throne for the sheer fact... Or as Ollie would say, Frone. Frone. This song is called Frone. My Frone. But, you know, there... That song's it's just catchy. Yeah. It's catchy no matter what. I mean, dude, like the instrumentals were bought by the NFL like yeah. five days after that song released. Yeah. I for mean Monday Night Football. Like I don't like it, but I know the melody. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just like, all right, that could be my least favorite song that bring the horizon ever so but you just yeah. you know. I respect uh, them for sure. Uh, 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 you know? Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, that's throne. Yeah. <laughs> I know? respect them for sure. Yeah, and it's just, and they didn't, they saw that, okay, they were deathcore, they learned how to write good music, they did all that they could in a metalcore heavy society, mm-hmm. so they expanded more. Yeah. We're doing that, but just on a much faster pace. We're yeah. just like, cool. Like, because mm-hmm. as we were talking about, like with like Spotify and all this digital stuff, new yeah. stuff coming out, you don't need a label anymore. If anything, labels yeah. need you. Yeah, hundred percent. Labels need to sign you to take thirty percent to fifty percent of your publishing, depending you just on need how good of a deal you're getting. And distribution, you just need this for what? Self... What store side music? Where's their distribution yeah, that's at? True. Fuck. Best Buy don't got no more. Target's very hard to get into. Oh, Target, the shelves are empty. They don't have new shit, which is crazy because when the story so far's new album they still came have out, Hybrid Theory on their shelves. Yeah, which is they, crazy. Yeah, they have the Marshall Mathers LP and that album fucks, dude. It does, but it's I love that album. This probably the same copy that's been sitting there for oh, the past six months. Absolutely, man. But like, why do you need distribution anymore? Like, unless you, if like you cut a deal with Merch Now or yeah. the the label is backing you for mm-hmm. the up upfront cost for like two hundred copies of yeah. CDs and then maybe fifty limited edition vinyls to a hundred limited edition vinyls, like. Yeah. That are all being distributed I would through love your to website. Have a vinyl. I, would, I would too. I want a vinyl so bad. There's so much money. They're so expensive. <laughs> With distribution, though, I this is my 
ignorance speaking here. So like obviously not a lot of places sell CDs anymore, mm-hmm. but when a company distributes your shit, do they have any pull as to getting you like on a new release page on iTunes or any pull for really like putting it in people's faces more than it would say if, you know, they, the backseaters just release something? Yes and no. Um, yeah. Especially now with um, Spotify's beta actually worked mm-hmm. um, for like their editorials and stuff. Um, just about anyone can get on those as long as you submit it and they're like, okay, this will work well with this playlist. Yeah. But they keep generating new playlists every single day. Mm-hmm. So now it's really the good thing that a label will do for you, A, is be a little bit of a piggy bank, um, and B, help with their marketing resources yeah. and networks. Like, of course, like, you know, um, you get signed to Sony IM, you know, Um Obviously, they're going to talk with their connections that they have at iTunes or Spotify and be like, okay, this band is dropping a new song. You need to put them because you owe me a favor. Or, hey, we'll throw you some shekels here and you're going to put them on your playlist. But that's really all the distribution is now to where you and I can sit here and you can work with these sites like, you know, DistroKid or TuneCore. Especially yeah. DistroKid, you pay $15 a year. Oh, really? To put up as much music as you want. Now? Is that better than. Wait, what? You yeah. can you just upload it to that website and it just shoots it to iTunes? Because mm-hmm. we're using CD Baby right now. What's the difference as far as like. That's the one that I don't know much about, is CD Baby. Yeah. Because uh, we use TuneCore with yeah. LI. And that was mm-hmm. kind of like a pay for a song um by the year yeah so it's like okay you're putting up a single you're gonna pay five dollars to distribute out to whatever Uh site you want that they work with where distro kids kind of cool to where it's like okay they have like different uh, plans to where it's like all right you just want to put up one song it's like five dollars for the year okay or like five dollars all around but like you just create a count and of course, it's going to like cap you a certain amount of songs. But it's like right now for our plan, we're at a hundred songs. Which, fuck, if we get to a hundred songs, dope, dope. Yeah, I'm into that. Um, but it's like a hundred songs, uh, fifteen bucks a year. But Jesus. you can upload as much as you want. Yeah. Throughout that year, and it's like okay. okay. And then even after you're done paying for it, unless if you personally tell them to take it down, it'll never be taken down and you'll still collect your royalties. That's awesome. So like you can break up and still have your, you know, you can be done with music, have kids, whatever life endeavors hit you mm-hmm. and your music will still be up there and you'll still collect, you know, the very small amount of royalties that you get. But I mean, that's, that's how distribution works now um, to where, you know, like, a label is going to get you on, you know, like a song premiere on AP, a song premiere on Billboard. Yeah. But at the same time, you can just also pay for a PR advertising company to do a PR campaign for your next release, which yeah. could range anywhere, like depending on who the company is, like 50 bucks a month to, you know, two grand. 
and from that they're gonna give you a great release on a good website they're gonna give mm-hmm. you a bunch of press um, develop an EPK for you and help you out promote it yeah because their name's on it and they're gonna help you promote it because if they don't promote it well then no one's gonna go back to them you yeah know? so I feel like that's another thing that gets overlooked a lot is EPKs electronic press kits for those people who don't know I yeah it's one of those things where it's kind of like having a website nowadays to where it's not integral but i think that's the right word integral it's it's not like a main it's not a main focal point yeah it's like okay you don't have to have a website but it also doesn't hurt to have a website Uh uh-huh like yeah. for us, like we have a website and we kind of use that for all of our new shit. It's like yeah. we have a newsletter. If you sign up for our newsletter, guarantee you're going to hear anything that we do three days before everyone else is going to do it. Oh, that's smart. Just for taking the time. Yeah. Uh, we do like pre-order shirts, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Everything through our website. But you don't necessarily need to have it. And it's the same way with EPKs. Okay. You don't need to have it because all you have to do, like if you're shopping yourself, this is a little band tip. Um shopping yourself you take your best looking promo to where you you can sell somebody on your image and how you look and just be like okay they rosu post hardcore band look at our promo yeah they look like a post hardcore band they mm-hmm. have that look yeah and then you give them a link to you know you can either give them a backdoor link to an unreleased song or you can give them a link to spotify yeah or you can just put the file right there Mm-hmm. send it off to anybody with a personalized message not just copy and paste shit but you they'll know, know you know it's like to who let, making to sure. let's just say we're shooting for fearless records right now dear fearless records we are rosu from denver colorado our first our you know we came together short little bio just like what our background is we're a post-hardcore band this is our first release. This is our numbers. Like we've played in front of, we played this band with this band who's a nationally well-known band in front of X amount of kids. We've toured X amount of times. Here's, here's our new song that we are shopping to you because we would love to work with your family. Yeah. And they're going to see those numbers and everything. And they're going to be like, okay, cool. Fucking tight. And if they like you, then they're going to hit you up. And they're going to say, you guys are going to be under review for the next six months. Or sometimes if you have notable people already in your band, they're going to be like, cool, we know that you can do it. We like your music. We like your sound. Let's do this. But like it used to be in the past where you like you did like a one page, but now like where it's like, okay, here's this really cool review that we did. We've done these. We have this um, touring experience. Here's our promo. And then here's a link to a song where nowadays you just write up a short little thing that's personalized to them. Fucking put your socials in there. Yeah. They're going to look at your engagement and they're going to look at your numbers if they're interested. So they're going to look at your Facebook. You have X amount of followers with this amount of percentage, just looking at it of Mm -hmm. engagement. That's huge. A lot of people think you have over 50% engagement they're already hooked because especially with Facebook, it's hard. Nowadays yeah. it's turned over more to Instagram. Do they look at organic reach? Or... Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, to be honest with you, they don't give a fuck about organic reach or not. Cause there, there's a pro and a con to it. Like yeah. 
all right, so you, you know, you make a post on Facebook and you promote the post mm-hmm. and, you know, because that's how you have to do it now with their fucking stupid yeah. algorithms. It's stupid. Bring MySpace back. Please do it right. Um, For people who don't know, because um, I actually yeah. had to explain this to somebody the other day. Um, when you have a business or a band or something of that nature, when you make a post, you could have a thousand people who like you or follow you. You make a post and it goes out there and maybe a hundred people will see you organically because there's so much stuff being posted to Facebook all the time that it just, it gets buried or, you know, say Susie hasn't been to your page in a couple months. Susie's not going to see it because Susie's been to this band's page recently. So Susie is going to see this band's page, but not yours. She likes them both, but she hasn't engaged with yours. So what you have to do fortunately unfortunately is you have to put money into your post which it's called boosting and by doing that it will you know push your post to the front of the line and the people who like you whether they've engaged with you recently or not will see your post yep so yeah and like and like the terms of we have a thousand likes on facebook if you post something nine out of ten times only out of a thousand due to their algorithms, only maybe 50 people will see that. Yeah. You know, because there's so much, dude. There's just... All the time. Social media is just every second, of every fucking day. And I don't know about you, but I feel like a big problem with that is when Facebook started putting out so many videos and like... Yeah. I mean, you scroll through your feed and it's just people sharing video, sharing video. You know what I mean? And you know, that's... Or memes. If you want to get around uh, the paying... Just have Here, Here's a little band tip. Here's a little band, band tip. Tip. Tip, tip, tip. So, you're in a band, right? You have a release coming up. How many bands are you good friends with? Like, as a whole, bands. Yeah. How many bands? Like You're saying you, you as in, like, yeah, the like, royal you, no, not like, me. No, like, you as in <laughs> the backseaters. Like, oh, shit. How, how, many, how many people, how many bands would you say, if you're like, hey, man, I need you to have my back on something, how many? Uh, quite a few because we're polite and genuine and support the scene. So, Not to, you so know, let's, to my own horn, but let's I couldn't say, give you an... Uh, let's say 16, just yeah. as a number. So how many members are normally in a band? Four or five? At least. Yeah. yeah. So or at least three. you talk to them, you say, hey, boys, we have a single coming up. It's going to mm-hmm. release at this time on YouTube. We're going to make a little link that's going to have part of the song with the link to the YouTube. To YouTube, to, though? Yeah, it's, yeah. I just say YouTube because Facebook, your video quality is shit. True. But. Uh, Col- Colin, or Colton? Colton. Colton yeah. in your band? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a video guy as well. Um, mm-hmm. He would agree with me. Facebook video, yeah. um, they're, they're, it shit, it kills a lot of things. You can shoot in 4K and it's being seen at like 1080i. That's dumb. Get out of here. But so, but so regardless, you're like, okay, we're dropping the song. Mm-hmm. The post is going to go live at 1 p.m. this day. Yeah. Can you boys help share it within the first 10 minutes? Oh, wow. Everyone says yes. 
So that means it's coming from the band page and every single personal members page. You're going to repay yeah. them in the end. But that video comes out, you have 56 shares within the first 10 minutes. You're boosted to the top of everyone's fucking timeline. Yeah. That you've seen because it's had that much engagement. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's all about. That's why these fucking memes are always at the top of my shit whenever I open up Facebook. Like if I didn't have a band or a business, yeah. I would have thrown Facebook out the window 10 years ago. 100%. 100%. Twitter, I always say that. Twitter, I that's that's my vice. I just talk a lot of shit about the world and how shitty society is I on, forget a, on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, don't do that with your band. Um Nobody fucking cares about Twitter and how many followers you have, likes, shares, whatever. If you're doing good on it, great. That's awesome. You're unique, and that might get you somewhere. But like, be so, nice. But so that's like a Fuck. that's a band tip for you, dude. Yeah. Like, you don't have to pay any money. I mean, shit. We did this with um. So we did this with Almost Maine. Oh yeah. Uh, with the Post Malone cover. Okay. Yeah, those um, guys are they're cool. So. You know, I had, I had sat down with them and we had talked about how they were going to release it. And we all had the same idea of getting this giant group of people together. So they had yeah. a huge Facebook like group chat yeah. and they reached out to all these guys that were in bands or just personal friends. They didn't people, reach out to me. People that back their shit, no matter what, yeah. like you find those kids that are like, I don't care if I'm in the fucking hospital with a cold, getting a tetanus shot. I just fell off my skateboard. I'm breaking no matter what at 1 PM I'm looking at my phone and I'm hitting share Yeah. immediately. And I'm writing a comment about it and that's what they did. And within the first, I believe within the first hour, uh, 2000 plays. That's a lot without putting any money behind it. Zero for the posts, zero money. Yeah. They put money into it after yes, mm-hmm but zero monies. So you look at that and especially if like you're reaching out to that label and you're like, we have this release this day. We would love for you to check it out. If they, you release it at one and say like the label is actually, you know, listening, interested, looks at it at one thirty, just to like be like, eh, let's, let's see how good they are. And they see that it's at 2000. Yeah. You're yeah. good. That that's good that's sure. when they hit a light bulb and they're like, yeah, we'll take their publishing rights. We'll maybe throw them on a tour. Yeah. But but that's that's how it is. And that's what like you and I were talking about earlier where it's like we have the tools. Just learn how to use the tools and use them to your advantage. Like that's what I love about Spotify yeah. with like how they have the uh, demographics mm-hmm. where you can see. Like I see that you guys are actually – pretty well played in europe for real though yeah like Like, i know i joke about like i know that you joke about it but like dude that's seriously something that you guys should like cash in on uh not so much cash in on but the money but but look into that yeah because dude like if you have a good demographic in europe start Mm -hmm. researching promoters start researching bands out there this is what victory heights did with screen blue murder yeah you know, they, 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 Carl just happened to stumble into a club, saw this band play. They're like, dude, we'll give you two weeks in America if you give us two weeks in Europe. That's how it used to be. Yeah. Now, Spotify, you can be like, okay, we have over 
400 unique listeners in the UK alone and just in different areas of the United Kingdom. Yeah. Hit up a promoter that books that. The UK mm. is very small. Yeah. I mean, it. you can literally drive from Colorado to Dallas, Texas, and you just drove the whole entire UK plus some. Yeah. Like, it's a very small place. Different countries. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, you can go all the way from Wales down to Scotland in the same amount of time that you go from Colorado to Texas. So, like, if you have that, then you can be like, okay, well, we're going to shoot this promoter. You can hit that promoter up and you can be like, okay, this is the unique listeners that we have. Do you think that we have a shot of booking things out here? Mm -hmm. And then from there, of course, you have got to, like, run your numbers financially because you're probably back in this whole entire thing with your numbers. But if if the financials are there and you want to take that risk... At least you know that you have somewhat of a demographic there. You yeah. have people that are actually fucking caring and listening to your music. Mm-hmm. That's going to give you a better chance than being like, hey, we're going to go fuck off and play in Wyoming where there's no one living up there. Yeah, except for my family. Yeah, yeah except for your family. Does but your family they don't... really live in Wyoming? <laughs> <laughs> are, they oh the two, are they the two ones that live there? <laughs> uh, the six, yes. The six? Out of all seven so people there. The, the population of Wyoming is all... Jake's family over here. I love yep. it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, but, uh, but you know, it's just it's yeah. just coming no, down I, to that I, thing, I you know, yeah. where we're saying where it's like you can take that leap of faith and you can know that at least you have a better chance of succeeding because sure. nothing's ever 100%, yeah. you know, but you have that better chance. Like we, we have a good – Back follow. in the day, you wouldn't even know. No, you, you wouldn't even know. in Europe, you're going on a whim. Yeah, and that's why like – that's why a lot of the bands back in the day that were really tight that like never really got to that level mm-hmm. wore themselves out. Um, like, look at like a kiss for Jersey. Don't know that one. What? Sorry. You should look them up. They're tight. But um, or like even like, oh, fuck. The Armada. Yeah, look at the Armada. The Armada was tight, but they never broke to that next level. Yeah, and they wore themselves out because they were trying to get on the road so much. But if you get on the road so much and you have, and you're not out with someone who's already going to bring a crowd that you're yeah. going to try to win that crowd over on, mm-hmm. you're not going to do anything. Or if you haven't like, played the social media game before, or the social media game, like yeah. I love this dude. Like a lot of local band, this is why a lot of local bands are like, all right, dude, we went on a couple tours and now we're done. Yeah. But now we have these tools to be like, okay, we have good listeners in Texas. So like, yeah, we might take a little bit of a longer drive and a little bit more financial hit, but it's going to be way more economical to where it's like, all right, we're not going to take a chance on Salt Lake. We're not going to take a chance on Tucson. We're not going to take a chance in Oklahoma City. We're going to play this state that we have good listeners in. We're going to play this city that we have good listeners in. We're going to play this good city that we have listeners in. And it's funny because with Spotify now, when you open up Spotify and you're like, I'm going to look at the backseaters. Yeah. I live in Europe. And they're going to be like, automatically you're just seeing that you're like, you're in the city that you're in listening to a band. If you have a show in that city, it's going to immediately yeah. tell you that you have that show in that city. Yeah. And you're going to be like, holy fuck, this band that I like from America is coming here. They're here. Obviously, I'm going to go to that. Soon. Or try to go to that. I hate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really going to try, man. <laughs> Sorry, dude, I was busy. Uh-huh. You can <laughs> but, um, usually just write that one off. Yeah. Nine no out of ten, offense. Nine out of ten times I am busy. If I don't come to your show, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm 
I work 40 hours plus manage plus have my own band plus try to have a life. Kind of going back to um, something you briefly touched on that kind of correlates with that is if you're going to hit up all 16 of those bands and have all their members promote your shit, you better fucking make damn sure that when they put something out... You do the exact same. Yeah. That's what builds a scene. Yeah. And that's what can really blackball you. And people can be like, you know what? This band, you know, takes, takes, takes and doesn't give anything back. Dude, that's what builds a scene. 100%. Nobody... When you ask people what builds a scene and they're like, the community. Okay, dude. But you like this band. Yeah. You you run with this clique, this crew, whatever whatever the fuck you call it. I'm sorry, I'm old, I'm old fashioned, but like They're crews. You're you're literally <laughs> what it? They're crews. They're crews. Yeah. So like your crew reps these four bands and you're gonna go to a show to a band that doesn't rep your crew or says something negative about your crew, basically just calling out that crews are fucking stupid. Sorry, I'll say it first. If you want to come to my show and kick my ass, feel free. But you're fucking dumb and I hate you. Um, I don't hate you. I don't hate anybody. I take that back. But um, but no, dude, that doesn't build a scene. You're that so builds confident. a that builds a small community. Yeah, for sure. Within a it's small limited. number of bands, yeah. to where. If everyone was like, okay, dude, I'm going to support this pop punk band because they're fucking killing it, but mm-hmm. I'm also going to support this post-hardcore band because their members are really awesome, nice dudes, and they're killing it. I'm also going to support this metal act that's coming up th- yeah. that needs work, but you know they're good dudes. They got good drive. The right intentions are behind them. They're just not quite there with their music yet. You support them, and that's what builds a scene, mm-hmm. and that's why... That's why scenes die, dude. Like, I mean, you've toured, dude. Yeah. We we have an okay scene. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. But the general population of 70% of the local markets in this country do not understand that nor even try to give a shit to help that out. Yeah. And they're like, but why don't you come to my city? Yeah. Eight out of ten times they came the night before and you're mm-hmm. just dumb. <laughs> Or, or they're just not coming because there's no reason for them to come. Yeah. Why? I have to give give mad props real quick to uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, we there's a band from there. They were a band called Clock Strikes Midnight, but uh, regardless. We played, and that was one of the best shows we played, was at this place called the West Dakota Improv um, in South Dakota, Rapid City. And, like, all the kids came out, and they were telling us about how they go out to, like, every show, touring bands, because they're building their scene in, like, little Rapid City. But Amarillo does the same thing. Like, all those dudes out there, they're super nice, like... And super supportive, but they have this venue that they all go to. If there's a show, they're going, you it's, know? It's Life Spot. Yeah. That's what Life Spot used to be. Like you I didn't, didn't know half the bands who were you, playing. Yeah, no, you didn't Spot. go to Life Spot because yeah. this band's playing. You went to Life Spot because it was Saturday and a show was happening, you knew it, and you were going to see music. Hell yeah. And like that's it. And now it's just like Okay, well, you sold. Th- you can't sell this amount of tickets. You can't sell this amount of tickets. Mm-hmm. Like, 
we're gonna we're gonna have you on our opening show. We're gonna sell it for it's gonna be our music video show. We want you to open and sell 150 tickets. Why the fuck is an opening band selling 150 tickets? Yeah. So you, that half their fans can how, get their how many tickets their are you set? selling? It's a 200 cap room. Yeah. A lot of people do that. A little band that we were talking about earlier did that. And it's, yeah. it's stupid. And that's what kills scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, San Diego used to be such a good scene. And, like, my buddy Tyler that, like, I write my music with, we had the same talk because it's very similar. Yeah. That scene's dead. Really? No. There's, like, three bands coming out of San Diego. That's I it. I didn't tell you who they are. Yeah. Like, Thousand Below, Secrets, and, like, capsizes from around the area yeah. day seekers from all over california but there's not that many like local bands coming out of san diego anymore because it got way too clicky yeah and way too crewy to where it's like we're only going to promote this shit we're not just going to go to soma for the shit of it we're only going to go to soma if these kinds of bands are playing and that sucks because it's one of the coolest venues ever well, that's how Blink got put on, was from people who went to Soma, like people exactly. went to Live Spot. Dude, as, as I lay dying. They did too. Where'd they start? Soma. Green Day, Soma. Yeah. And now, I mean, dude, we, we went and played Soma uh, last year, like the last tour that I was on, we played Soma. And it's dude, not the like, same. no, man, no local bands brought anybody. Yeah. The local bands that showed up. To where we are the only touring band, and there is five other bands in total, brought twenty people. Like, granted, you got to yeah. bring kids to a show. If you can't bring kids to a show, then try harder. You can bring or, adults too, or don't. Yeah, I mean adults, but people, <laughs> humans. Sorry, I make dad jokes sometimes. Dude, I love it. I know. Just as this keeps going, I just I just grow more and more fond of you. Dude, <laughs> fucking same. But, you know, it's it's just stuff like that to where it's just like, you know, if don't start a band podcast. If you want to start a band, work hard. 100%. And if you don't work hard and you're playing in cr- cruddy little venues in front of maybe one drunk guy that was at the bar just to come for $2 PBRs that night... Definitely and you ask shows. and you ask why people aren't coming to your shows. Yeah. Maybe reflect in and think why people aren't coming to your shows. Is it your music? Is it because you put one post on Facebook and just expected two hundred people to show up? Yeah, you know, like it's it's easy and it's just all about work ethic and drive. Exactly. And if you don't got that, um, you should try to. F- Find something else to do. Like, to be honest with you, it's such an oversaturated market. Try it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what's What's the hardest industry to get into next to movies? Uh, well, yeah. well, I'm going to put this all together. The entertainment industry. It's the hardest industry to work in. It's the hardest industry to be a part of. 100%. The only, you know, some people, there are those exceptions where they put out one good song or a great cover. White Iverson. I Dude, don't even start with me with Post Malone, man. That guy fucking kills. Dude, I I like Post Malone, but it, like it, it's but cool he was how it he was grinding for so long, dude. Yeah, like with true. White Iverson, like labels were hitting him up, and they're like, "We will pay you this much right now." And he's like, "Ha, nah, fuck it." 
I'm yeah. good. Well, Mac Miller did that for the longest time. Yeah. Didn't you know? Yeah, dude. It's like, nah, dude. Fucking, I'm good. And you know, like, and a lot of people like trash on these people, and it's like, all right, dude. Post was grinding out way before that, dude. Little Aaron. So my buddy, my buddy Tyler was doing. He has his own podcast called the Black Eight Crow or Black Eight Co Collective. Um, mm-hmm. And he was doing a uh, podcast with our buddy Scott, who played in a band with Little Aaron like eight years ago. Really? And then Little Aaron just dipped off the face of the earth. Granted. But, but I've never you, heard of Little Aaron. He's like the like main like face for like emo night now and stuff like that. Oh, like really? we'll we'll listen to his music after this. It's it's ah. But but regardless, that dude's blowing up right now. Yeah. He's grinded, he found a little niche, huh. grew on it, killed it, got in with the right people, networked a lot, yeah. has that good personality where people just like him. Like, he just fucking put out, like, some video of him just, like, dancing in a party to his own music. And it's getting, like, 60,000 views in the first day. That'd be nice. Like, what? Yeah. You know? And and that's just the thing. And, like, he didn't stop. Like, you know, there's that exception where you get a little lucky. But he grinded. And all these people are grinding. Mm -hmm. Like, the people that get there are grinding. I wasn't shitting on Post Malone. I was just saying, like... That's one of those exception stories where oh, he yeah. posted it and the next morning had reposts from Mac Miller Wiz. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, dude, like, yeah, that... It's a good song. It's a great song. And, like, for him, I mean, that he was sitting on that for so long. Mm-hmm. And he just, he showed it to the right people and had these networks and these connections. People saw it and they're like, oh, fuck, yeah, dude, I'm going to send this out. My boy's actually doing it. Same shit with Hobo Johnson, dude. Yeah. You know? He had, he had some good networks, good connections, and they're like, ah, he wrote a pretty damn good song. I'm going to share this, you know? Yeah. And and that goes a long way. This like is if the you're second also... podcast that we've talked about, Hobo Johnson. Really? Yeah, Phil uh, likes Hobo Johnson. I've only heard that one song, but like... The, oh, this is my shit. Yep. But, um, but, you know, like a lot of people are shitting on him. I'm like, cool, dude. If people are going to shit on you... You're still getting views and likes and money yeah. and revenues. Shit on me. Just do it publicly. Dude, Ronnie Radke is the king of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. King <laughs> of it. Listen to lyrics of the new singles that he's put down. <laughs> You're going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Like, people always ask why he's so famous, why his bands are so good. He's a talented performer. Mm-hmm. He's an all right songwriter. He had, you know, that stint that kind of make him big and like the feud with like his new band, Escape the Fate and all that. But it doesn't matter if people hate you because even if people hate you that much, they're still talking about you. Especially in this day and And age on the internet. And from people hating you that much and talking about it, dude, look at 6x9. That guy's music's fucking trash. He's a little, give me he's a little fucking pedophile and all that. But no matter what, whenever I open up fucking Facebook or Instagram or anything, it's like I see something about him, and it could well, be he's positive. A stop snor- yeah. top story on Snapchat a lot. Yeah, too. it could be positive. It could be negative. But no matter what, people are looking at that guy, and from that, he is generating so much revenue from his shit trash music. Yeah, and it's absurd. But that's the day and age that we live in. 
it's a, it's a weird one. It's it's We're a, in weird a very one. weird. It's a, like it's if a weird you take one, a dude. step outside of it, and you're like, "This is a joke." Yeah, this is a joke, right? You yeah. guys are fucking with me. Because, like, dude, <laughs> I mean, like, ha- it's not ha- nice. Up until about 15 minutes ago, when we went on this little tangent, we were telling really good tips to people in bands. Yeah, and you know, we were giving them really good advice. A lot of stuff that my musical advisors and kind of mentors um, have given me and personal experiences and personal sure. experiences. Like they've given me this advice advice that I love to share with people, but like, it's not always going to work. And that's yeah. why you just got to keep grinding. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, content's King. Yeah. Well, and uh, everything's just constantly changing too. Is like is. what works for Rosu is not going to work for the backseaters. Oh, absolutely not. Well, so. it could. Yeah. It could. I mean, you, you're right. You take the tools and you put your own twist to it. But it might not work for John Mooney and the sunscreen sideburns. It might not. That's my underground. Like that's you know a, how Green Day had Foxborough hot tubs. That's a dope ass band. John They're, John Mooney and the Sunscreen Sideburns. It reminded me of. Uh, Don't fucking take that. That reminds me of that thing you do. You ever seen the movie? I love that movie. Well, the O'Neaters. That's our uh, soccer team name, by the way. Our indoor soccer team. The is, O'Neaters. Uh, the Wonders. Oh, nice. But it's one. The O'Neaters. Yeah. <laughs> um. God, what was their what was their fucking the movie band? They're like oh Captain Shooter ca- Crab Shack Captain Captain Joe's. Captain Gee and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. <laughs> <laughs> Best band name of all time, dude. I love that actor that uh, that's like the lead guitar player, and he was in that movie Sahara as well. Ugh. Like that dude is just so funny, dude. So fucking good. I know, dude. It's, just, it's all about getting out there and grinding, networking, For sure. making friends. What like, inspires you to keep you going? Like, on bad days, good days, what is that one thing where you could be zoning out and then you just come back to and you're like, I'm inspired to keep going? For me... Two parts. Okay, sorry. Two parts. So what inspires to keep you going, like, band-wise and music writing-wise? Oh, shit. Um, Here we go. Band-wise, the thing that keeps me going is I put a goal to myself um, five years ago, and I'm not going to stop until that goal is completed. Okay. Which is feeling fully fulfilled, fulfilled by everything that I've done and I can look back on the past 10 years and even if like I had rough times, hard times, lost friendships, new friendships, anything, um, no matter what happens, I live with no regrets and I get to that goal that I want to be in. And it's not even that big of a goal. Yeah. It's a good milestone. Um, when I hit that milestone, hopefully I will go for the next milestone and that's kind of my drive is just i i'm just that way though um yeah. i'm that way I, well. i've always got to be doing something i mean yeah. fuck dude like the first thing that i did like on my own business wise was i started a clothing company you know like, really yeah i didn't know that i uh, you still have it or um no um kind of 
yeah, kind of, but not really. Yeah. I have a whole lot of ideas, but I've put a lot of financial backing towards band as opposed yeah, to that. Yeah. But that, I mean, that was essentially what was feeding me on tour. Really? With Victory Heights. Tour what was it called? Uh, DFR, Dream for Reality. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you know, and it's just that I want to, I just want to do shit all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm just that guy where I'm like, okay, I want to learn this. So I'm going to learn that. That's what this is. Like, I went to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what this is. You know, like, I want to, like, right now I'm learning, like, more how to record. So I'm, that's what yeah. I'm doing. That's what I'm doing in the three hours of free time I have every day of my entire life. Is like waste that's out awesome. on sleep and I'm looking at YouTube videos um, musically and this this kind of goes hand in hand with motivation for band and then mm -hmm. musically what drives me is my past and not repeating the same mistakes um, like a, a, a lot of our music um, for me lyrically at least has been about either times where I've let myself down or let somebody else down yeah um, being you know my my stint in college where I was just a complete train wreck um, to where I ruined you know some of the best relationships I've ever had in my entire life with some of the best dudes that I just don't or dudes or girls that I just don't even talk to anymore yeah. and um, not making that mistake again and then I just I always go into a song to where I can write you the saddest shit about my life ever but no matter what there's going to be something in there that's going to be that's going to have that show of hope yeah you know to where it's like we've we're humans we all go through similar situations with different circumstances to where we've all had someone die we've all had a relationship that's failed we've all been heartbroken we've all hit our lowest points yeah if you haven't hit your lowest point yet watch it, out it, it's gonna happen yeah. inevitably at some point if you just go through your whole entire life with a fucking golden spoon up your ass please call me and let me know how you did it because i would love to hear that and write a story about it later um but you know it's 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 that and that's what really what gets me driving and going to whether it's one person or hundreds of people if somebody connects with my music or my band the way that i've connected with albums like define the great line yeah you know that that whole album is about spencer going through similar very very similar things to what i was going through yeah at that time and that album right there, I used to listen to on repeat because it would help me get through those darkest times. If one person can connect with that, like I connected with that, my whole entire life is fulfilled. You and like, I have the same like, uh, I'm, I'm aspiration. Stoked. I'm way. stoked about that, dude. Like, yeah. you know, like, fuck, dude. Like, I haven't done anything like huge and big like yeah. you know like sometimes it seems like hey dude tim you you've done some cool shit like you're here no i'm i'm here yeah but you know it, it everything looks good on paper but it's like if i can be at the level that i'm at where i've never been on a label i've never been on a 
like insanely huge tour. I've been on a couple bigger shows. Um, but if I have somebody that like is ever like your your music and your lyrics, I felt that and it helped me. Yeah. 100%. That's that's the that's the greatest thing that you can ever do. Cause for me, for music, I'm getting shit off my chest. Yeah. Like I'm getting out like there's a reason why my a lot of my music is still from times that happened in my life almost 10 years ago now mm-hmm. is because I'm very, I keep shit in and I don't talk about it a lot. I'm getting better yeah. with that. Um, I'm trying to get a lot better with that, but like, dude, like none of my friends knew that like the shit that was happening to me when I was in UNC, like fuck oh, my, yeah. my roommate didn't even know that. Like I was having a huge drinking problem. My best friend didn't know I was having a huge drinking problem until that day that I, like I had to go to the hospital. Yeah, you know, because my pancreas was fucking dying, and like, mm-hmm. I didn't talk to my mom in six months, and she came up and she saw me like literally dying. And she's like, "You're going to the hospital right now," and like, yeah. you know, and it's like, I bottle stuff in, and this is my outlet. So no matter what, I'm always going to create, whether it's just writing, music, scripts, anything. Like even if it's fucking photo, if I'm like this. Oh, that angle and that little that little flower right there makes me feel this way. Yeah. I'm gonna post that. Like that's just that's just what I'm gonna do is I'm trying to express myself and get shit off my chest while hopefully helping somebody else out. Yeah. That maybe is very similar to me. Which yeah. there's a lot of those out there. I mean, like oh, dude, yeah. like how many fucking people have we lost in like the past not even six months, but like the past two years to like depression, drug overdose, all that fun stuff. Like so much of this is happening right now. And this is the thing that I, these are the things that I'm trying to talk about the most within our music. It's just like, why the fuck is this happening? Yeah. You know, dude, like I grew up, I, I did Chester, the day that Chester passed away and killed himself essentially. Yeah. Like, dude, I fucking broke down. Like I've had the personal experience of meeting that guy, being in the fucking studio with them while they were writing that album. Yep. Got to spend a day in the studio with them. It was incredible. Chatted with him, seemed like the happiest guy in the world, but I knew in his lyrics always that there was a dark side to him. Yeah. A lot of people did. And when that actually happened, dude, like fuck man, the fact that we can go, that we can be so low that it gets to that point. All I want to do is to A, never get to that point and help somebody else from never getting to that point. Yeah. Because I don't want anybody to have that. I mean, I've I've woken up at parties where having some of my friends OD dead on the floor. You know, like, Jeez. you know, it's shit, it's shit like that. And, like, I don't want anyone to ever get to that point in their life. And or have you, to deal with Or have somebody, to deal with that. You know, yeah. You know, sure. like... I had to cut, you know, you have to cut some ties. You have to do this shit, but my, this is this is my outlet to hopefully help one person out, if For not sure. more. And yeah. that that's what drives me every day. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. I mean, I've I've had a couple people say that, you know, they feel it and they relate to it, but the thing for me is like I have personally told the lead singer of The Dangerous Summer that, like, his music changed my life. And, like, I have this ability not to, you know, sound narcissistic, but 
sometimes I'm good at making analogies and putting things into words mm -hmm. that like people will have a feeling and I will make an analogy or say something and they'll be like, that's exactly how I'm feeling. And yeah. I didn't even know like what to say about it. So like, it's almost like being a translator for people's emotions, you know? Yeah. Like, like I said, you know, we're glorified, you know, from vocalist to vocalist, we're glorified yeah. storytellers, but for like sure. we also write about some real shit and not just like, oh, well this sounds cool. Yeah. I feel like this is going to get that 16-year-old girl to my show. Like, I don't fucking care who comes to my show as long as somebody comes to my show and actually connects yeah. with it. For sure. You know? Like, dude, like, as you were saying with, like, Five Seconds of Summer, dude, like, I, I've i always disliked the as I, I like and dislike the aspect of VIP packages because I feel like if you... And I understand it because you have to economically do that now to make money mm -hmm. on tour and go home and pay your bills and feed your family and feed yourself and, you know, but... have a place to live. But at the same time, I feel like the true people are the ones that are always at the merch table after without it meeting everyone. Yeah. But like first ever VIP package that I bought was for this upcoming Under Oath show. Yeah. Just because, dude, that new album's fire, by the way. If you think that album's shit, or if anyone does, I don't like you very much. You you have bad taste. Um, but, um, but no, I literally bought a VIP package, and I tell my band this. Like They're like, you really bought one of those? Like You're so against that. I'm like, I literally just want to go in there. I don't even want to have a photo op with them. I literally just want to go in have a one-on-one -on -one with them and shake their hand and thank them for writing music that has helped me out. I did that with Brian Fallon outside yeah. the summit and yeah. like, dude, that's all that I want to do is I, I just wanted to like Spencer, crying. you know what? Define the great line got me through some really yeah. hard times. And I appreciate you so much for doing that and coming back with an album, like the new one that you had to where you're finally reflecting on it because I've been reflecting on my shittiest times for the past 10 years of my life. Yeah. You know? And, like, thank you for giving me an outlet to, like, help inspire me and help me grow as a person, even though that you weren't intending on it. You were just writing your own shit, but thank you. Like, that's all that I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's the... Is that so much to ask for? That's the coolest thing about being in a band, yes. literally, is just having that outlet of getting shit on your chest, off your chest, and if that's what you want to do, do it. Um, for sure. But you know that's that's like that's the shit that gets me going. The pretty much like similar yeah. to what gets you going, or yeah, oh yeah, yeah hundred percent. Like, I mean, it is definitely an outlet for like things that I feel and just like music and especially like we were talking about drums playing drums is like my number one yeah and i can play drums and be in a whole nother universe not even like know that this world exists same with you know doing guitar and like the beautiful thing about having this studio is i can have an idea like our song vixen I just woke up with that word stuck in my head. For some reason, I just thought of that word. Didn't know what it meant. Thought it meant bad habit or something. Came right in now. here and wrote a whole song around that one word. And like, I just kept going and I was stoked and stoked and stoked. And then, yeah, I don't know. 
I can't, it's definitely, I'm trying to think of something other than what you said, but it's definitely what you said. Yeah, it's similar. A dream of mine is to have somebody say that I help them through something in their life. Mm -hmm. And also as an outlet to, you know, because when you write maybe a specific event or something in your life that happened and you put it in a song and it's out on Spotify or iTunes, it's out there forever. You put that note in the fucking little sailboat and you pushed it out into the sea. Dude, you put yourself out there and then some kid just responds, that shit's fucking gay. And you're like, ah, goddamn you guy. But that dude's already living a miserable life. Yeah, he is. Uh-huh. If he, A, is following you, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he like thinks, listens, to, he listens yeah. to your shit and he's like, this is stupid. And it's like, yeah, thanks for commenting, guy. You at least watched it. That's a, that's a fraction of a cent in my pocket. Yeah. Things Bill. I don't like, I just go, I like to call it's the, not my favorite exit. I like to call those guys Bill for some reason. Bill? They're all, they're, all their names are Bill. I don't know why. No Fuck offense it. to the good bills out there. To the good bills, hit me up. I've only met like two of you. Yeah. I'd like to meet more. But that's crazy, that Vixen. Like, I've had so many of those, dude. Yeah. Like, even tonight, I have a melody at work. And I like, had to, like, I was helping another customer. I was like, oh, no. And I, like, I was like, yeah, I'll be right back. And I like, go into my phone. And I'm like, da 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 da. You know, just some bullshit. Yeah. I'm like, that melody is going to be there for later. Yeah. And I'm going to turn that into a song one day. Yeah, for sure. So if you could take, because we've put a lot of advice and information out on this podcast. Put just a lot like out. a shitload to digest. Like even when I go back and listen to it, because yes, I will. Same. It will be good to like write down things. Because in the heat of conversation, we're bouncing ideas off each other. We're saying so much shit. Mm-hmm. That is probably like really good. So, you know what I mean? There's so much stuff. But if someone was like, whew, that was a lot. And they're, you know, getting close to the end of the podcast. And you have to give one piece of advice. One encompassing like piece of advice. Like as in just start a band? Or... Yeah, like so maybe for people who are starting a band and then for people who already got a band going. The biggest piece of advice is surround yourself with people that drive you. Praise. Surround yourself with people that you can literally live in close quarters with that no matter what happens, even if you... like. Homie steals your fucking underwear and it's your last pair of underwear. And you're like, guy, you took my fucking underwear. I hate you. Fuck you. Want to get a sandwich? I'm pooping in your shit. Like that, that's my biggest piece of advice is find those people that you want to a be around with that you can get over small shit very quickly. And people that you're going to put an idea out there they're going to give you more to your idea and you're going to yeah. build off it. Like people that are driving with you and not people that are just along for the ride. And who have the same motivation as you too. Yeah. It's just surround yourself with like-minded people. Like that's very big. If someone is 
just Mr. Fucking Negative Nancy. They're like, oh, this show sucked. Yeah. It's like, dude, we just got to play 30 minutes of music and do something that we all should be loving to do if we're in a fucking band. Then Don't start a band unless you love it. And then it's it's a happy time because I don't care. Like, you're going to learn. If you're a DIY musician, I'm sure you've played in front of two kids. I'm sure you've played in front of zero kids. I'm sure you've played in front of really good crowds. I played in front of, at the Lion's Lair, we played a show at the, at, oh, fuck. Played a show at the Lion's Lair, and the only person in that building, the sound guy that night, um, had gone somewhere else while we played and the bartender was leaning on the bar with his back to us watching the TV. And I was like, you know what? This is uh, a public practice. We're on a stage, which we're usually not on glorified band practice. Exactly. It's all that it is. And if you fuck up and that's also a good time because you have that energy that you're playing a show and so you can try new things and if you try something because you have that energy and that hype of playing live and you try something you know a little out of your realm and you like it Mm -hmm. you you know you learn more than you would rather than if you were having a standard band practice in your basement yep so do it for the right reasons i mean definitely don't do it to be famous no best advice is we you're going to burn out if you do it to be famous. Yep, this is true, because you're never going to be famous. You're never going to be rich unless if you're really, really lucky. Because yeah. even the most talented people are not rich. Look at Seosin. Actually, they make they make buku bucks, but yeah. I take that back. But for that example, as I said, like with I mean, with your Lion Slayer, we we played on this tour the night before we played in front of three kids the next night we got a really lucky opportunity to where we got to open up for the rise records tour and like played in front of a lot more kids yeah and that was like with secrets dance gavin dance um the owner of rise records band uh no what's their fucking band's name they wrote this super cool song called aurora avenue and i can't think of their name and it's making me upset now but regardless, with highs comes lows, with lows comes highs, that's life. There's a yin to yin every day. Yeah. Most people think it's yin and yang. It's not. It's yin and yang. Yan? Yeah. Like Y-A-N? Mm-hmm. It's yin to the yin, even though the G's there. I'm pretty positive. I don't know. I talked huh. to some guy that was from Japan one time. He could have been fucking with me. I'm that guy that gets Sanskrit for love and instead it sells like jihad or something like that. Huh? Yeah, I but, I couldn't tell you but no, at all. No, biggest piece of advice is just find the right group of people that all have that same mindset, same drive to where you're not burning yourself out trying to do everything and just go for it. Write good music, good content done consistently. And go for it. And if you need someone to market your shit, hit me up. I'll do it for a very small price. I agree 100%. Hmm. So uh, tell us about this song that we're going to be hearing. Ooh. So uh, we have chosen one of our two singles. I wish it could have been another single, but I can't do that yet because I'm 
Come on. Who really listens to the Don't Start a Band podcast? A lot of people in Europe. Yeah, well. They think your shit fucks. (laughs) Yeah, but you want them to... Nah. Dig on Rozu. You can wait for this one. It'll be a banger. But uh, the next song that we're... Or this song that is coming up, it's called Faceless. It was our second song um, that we released. um, And it's pretty much talking about a man... It's kind of like a third-person perspective of inner reflection and outer reflection to where it's talking on these topics of... um, Personally, me going through a really rough time in my life and kind of how we all had this inner dialogue within ourselves going through these hard times. And it's pretty much just saying if people are honestly, genuinely caring about you and trying to help you out Mm -hmm. instead of shutting them out and putting these masks on and trying to either live a numb life or hide your pain, let them in. Let, yeah. let the voices in and let those people console you because if they really, truly, genuinely care about you, they only want nothing but the best for you. So let those people in instead of shutting them away and masking your pain with vices. Drugs and alcohol want your soul. The people who love you want only for you. You know? Is that one of your lyrics? No. That's tight. I'm going to steal that. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Check out the next single featuring that line. <laughs> Hell yeah. See, are we, my, gonna, are we just going to do like a sad boy collab project now? Because I'm so down. Maybe. See, by that silence, though, I said that. And I was like, oh, did that sound stupid? Like a stoner thought? I was like, oh, God. No, that's actually, that could be a cool yeah. lyric. Drugs and alcohol want your soul. The people who love you. What'd you say? Oh, <laughs> fuck. We lost. Now we're going to have to listen back to this. See, this want, is good. The people who love you want only for you and not for themselves. Yeah. Something along that. It's on the record. It, it's it's on the record, and we're going to listen back to that, and that's going to be the next YouTube, from Apple my... Podcasts, Google Play Music. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Oh, also, sorry to hijack your podcast. Oh, you're all good? Actually, you know what? No, when I record the intro. No, no, no. When I have the intro, I'll tell everybody about the Instagram and the Facebook and stuff that we have now. So. Oh, yeah. Follow yeah. that shit. B-S-A-B podcast on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Hell yeah. Well, uh. And then follow Rozu. Definitely. Rozu underscore official. Uh, they're at, in case you don't remember that, their uh, Instagram at is in the description on YouTube and it is in the description. It will be in the description on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music as well. Google Play so, Music. Yes. Are you guys on Napster yet? Sorry, I digress. <laughs> I don't think so. Is Dude, Napster still? Yeah, there? we're on Napster apparently. I want to know if the Backseaters is on Napster. Dude. I know we're on iHeartRadio, which is pretty dope. That's cool. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I, I saw that like we got like f- five cents of revenue from Napster. Holy I was like, shit. fuck yeah. Somebody <laughs> listens to Napster stuff? Fuck yeah. It's that same guy. That's tight. Uh, yeah. Sean anyway. Parker. It's not him. I don't know who that is. 
And that was the guy who started Napster. Oh. Or as I like to call him, JT. Because JT portrayed him on Facebook. Oh, okay. I had no idea. I find myself waking up on the floor every morning. To the press of a stranger walking out the door. I don't know how I feel anymore. I'm a mess, I'm a train wreck. All these late nights, all these late fights. I can't do this anymore. It's killing me inside, it's eating me alive. I can't do this anymore. Let's go!